Well, good morning, friends. How are you all doing? Feel free to take your seats. Or should I say Borodar? Anybody know what Borodar means? It's good morning in Welsh. It won't be long before you realize this guy's from Wales. I was, I was doing a little bit of shopping in Morrison's yesterday, and I, I, there was a woman behind the counter who said, Ooh, are you from Wales? <laughs> she, she was also from Wales. It's good, you know, funny thing is that she knew where Wales was. I remember speaking to a guy once, and he, re, you know, he obviously recognized I had a strong accent, and he said, Hey, what part of Scotland are you from? <laughs> I said, I'm from Wales. He said, Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> he didn't realize Wales existed, you know. Uh, guys, we're looking forward to, wel well, you know, the girls, we're welcome, uh, looking forward to welcoming you down to the uh, Inspire Conference. Is that what it's called? For her. What's the Inspire Conference? Is that something else? Oh, it used to be called Inspire. Now it's called For Her. I remember I was in a, in a Christian bookshop one day, and I, there must have been a guy who was really aspiring to go to a women's conference, or maybe something more than that. He was, he was, picking, he was reading a book that was called How to Become the Woman You Always Wanted to Be. <laughs> I can guarantee you guys that if you get down to that conference, you'll become the woman that God's created you to be. So, um, so it's great to be back here. I think I was here probably about seven years ago. Um, so it's really good to be back with our good friends, um, Sarah and Barry and Dan. And I don't think I've met your wife yet. Sarah too, okay. So it's great to be back with you guys. Great to be back with uh, Cassie. And I think, yeah, like I said, I was here about seven years ago. Uh, so this is my second time in Colchester. It was nearly my third time because many, many years ago, just over 20 years ago, I nearly did a stint in what's called the Glass House, which isn't far from here, which is the army prison. Anybody know where that is? I nearly ended up in there. So because um, I, 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 did I did like a short time in the army uh, back in 1998. Uh, so just over 20 years ago. And uh, I was a bit of a naughty boy. And so, actually, the way it ended out was that I was asked very kindly to leave the army. So, um, but I, I, if, if that hadn't happened, I would have probably ended up doing a little bit of time in, in prison and then, um, you know, carrying on with my career in the army. But I was, I was a pretty, pretty naughty boy. I got caught on a drugs test, and I was very, very kindly asked to leave, which was a disaster for me at the time. Because actually, I was doing really well. And in fact, not long before that, I'd gone up to Catrick, which is in North Yorkshire, uh, to the infantry training center. And out of 40 soldiers, I won this prize of best soldier. So, you know, I was like, I, I was doing well. But then, boof, it just collapsed towards the end. And that was normally my story, actually, before, before I found Jesus. Or should I say, Jesus found me. My story was pretty much like... I failed in a lot, a lot of things. Um, just let me tell you a little story because you can see where, where this is going to go in a moment. But I want to just tell you a little story of what happened to me when I, when I went up to Catrick, up to North Yorkshire. Um, I turned up for training a day late. How many know that it's not a good idea to turn up for army training a day late? So out of the 40 soldiers... I was the only one that turned up on the Tuesday morning. All the other guys had turned up, I think, even on the Sunday night, ready for training on the Monday morning. So I, like, rock up at, like, you know, 8 o'clock or something like that on a Tuesday morning. And as I walked up the stairs to where all these rooms were, I can still hear the sergeant's voice coming out of the room as I, as I got up into the, up, up into the landing. Avi! It just... <laughs> His voice bellowing down the corridor, you know? Get in my office. 
So basically, off I go down into, um, into this sergeant's office, and I don't know if there's, if there's any ex-forces guys here or this morning or whatever, but if, you, if, you, if, you, if there are, you'll, not, like, you'll know this phrase that we call bang your tabs. So it's basically you go into the sergeant's office or the corporal's office or whatever, and you present yourself in front of you know, the, the guy that's uh, you know, obviously a higher rank than you. And so I present myself in front of the sergeant, and the sergeant basically gave me a rundown. I won't repeat the words. <laughs> but he gave me a real rundown of what he thought about me. And, and then basically what he did was that he gave me two, uh, two forms. Now, basically the form was like that you had to fill in all your details, like where you was from, your date of birth, your full name, and that sort of stuff. And what he did was he gave me a form that had already been filled in by one of the soldiers the day before. And he, gave, and he gave, also gave me a blank form, which is obviously the one that I was supposed to fill in. And then he turned around and he said, look, go back to your room and fill this one in exactly like that one. And some of you already know what's coming. Exactly like that one. How many people know that you do stupid things under pressure? So I went, back to the, I went back to my room and I literally copied the other guy's details onto my piece of paper. And I, and I think in that I kind of like salvaged the moment and, uh, you know, I was going to get a pat on the back. I went back to the sergeant's office, presented myself in front of him again with a little bit of cheesy grin on my face. And I said, here you go, sergeant. And he looked at these forms. He looked at the corporals sitting in the room and he said, we got to write one year. <laughs> and I just remember in that moment, I just had like a revelation, you know? I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment where you just think, I wish the earth would just open up right now. Just you know, like, do something, get me out of this situation. And they just all burst out laughing. And then off I went, sort of like, you know, licking my wounds. <laughs> But here's the point in the story. Uh, I guess for a moment, you know, at that time, I, I got confused about my identity. And what I want to talk about this morning is, um, is probably, if I was to give this message a title, I would call it the power of identity. Uh, I think this is actually probably one of the most important truths that a person can actually hear and really get a hold of. I actually think there's like two major things for people to get a hold of, and that's number one, understanding who God is, and number two, understanding who you are. So like when I say understanding who God is, I've learned over the years, and like, you know, God has, has spoken to me about this quite a lot, and he's, you know, he's often said to me, Neil, make sure you don't get me confused with someone else. It's the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God is a good God. So God is not sending bad stuff into your life. Do you know what I mean? God wants to, God, God didn't come to condemn us. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And, and how you see God is actually very important because how, what your view of God will, will be will, will like determine really on how much he flows in your life. You can actually block or hinder God. So it's really important on, in terms of how you see God to get a right picture of him, a right image, but also get a good image of, of who you are. So I think this is, like I say, one of the most important things that a person can, uh, can get, a, get a hold of. I actually believe that every single person's looking for identity. We're all looking for, like, belonging. Um, according to statistics, they say that 76% of people 
are looking for either belonging or identity. And I've got to be honest, I'm a little bit biased, and I wonder whether the other 24% are Christians. <laughs> because I believe, personally talking from my own experience, um, I've come to realize that I have found myself in finding God. You know, it's like life now makes sense for me. It's clicked. Something's clicked. You know, you, if you read back in the beginning of the Bible, you read about how like Adam and Eve were so like there was a, a broken relationship between them and God. And they had to leave that place called God, the Garden of Eden, which basically means paradise. Um, and I believe that, that ever since that moment, mankind has always tried to find his way back to the garden. Or in other words, back into the presence of God. Because it's only in God's presence you actually start to feel complete and whole and feel loved. You know, there's a great verse in the book of Proverbs that says, um, in chapter 19, verse 22, it says, What every person desires is unfailing love. It's an amazing verse. And I've discovered that in my own life. So like 15 years ago when I was in a prison cell, this time I was really in prison, um, in Cardiff prison. Once again, I'd been a bit of a naughty boy. And I was, I was a real confused, lost kid back in those, those days. I was 28, supposed to be a grown man, really, but more like a child in many ways. I was still lost and confused in this world. I had a lot of, a lot of hang-ups, a lot of issues. But one of the things that happened to me in that prison cell was that I got filled with God's love. And that love has totally transformed me. It's healed me. It's, it's dealt with all my issues. It doesn't mean that we don't still have sometimes our problems. But we face problems in a completely different way. I do. I face issues in my life now in a completely different way to what I used to. I used to fold up like an old suitcase with every sort of like problem that came into my life. Now I feel solid and firm because I'm standing in Jesus. It's completely different. Um, so I actually think that, you know, every single person is looking for a sense of belonging and a sense of identity. I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of this thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting um, an interesting website, really, that's called secondlife.com. Anybody heard of that? Check it out. Basically, it's really strange because um, you can actually create a character in this kind of virtual world, and you can actually get married. You can start a business. You can get a job if you don't start a business. You can go shopping. <laughs> you can, it's like another world, and it's called secondlife.com. And the amount of people that are actually creating characters in this virtual world is unbelievable. And I think the reason is, is because people just don't know how to handle this life. They, they can't, you know, they're, they're looking for something and they can't find it. And so they just want to escape. Uh, and they sort of like create this character in this virtual world called secondlife.com. And, and actually, I've heard of a lot of kind of like, if you call them evangelists, right? Christian people who really love to share, uh, you know, about Jesus. What they're doing is that they're also creating characters and going into this virtual world and going shopping. Can you imagine? Like, you can actually go shopping and talk to somebody. And that person could be somewhere else, you know, is obviously somewhere else in the world. And you can have a conversation, and there are Christians going into this virtual world and leading people to Jesus in this virtual world. <laughs> so they create like a second life, you know, another character, but they find Jesus in it. I love that. You know, and for me, I got to be honest, like, you know, I, I, I experienced secondlife.com in a sense. Um, because, like, before I was a Christian, I've got to be honest with you, I always wanted to be someone else. It's a strange thing to say, I know, but I didn't like my life. I liked something of me, but at the same time, I didn't like what I was becoming. 
but I found life so hard, um, you know, being a drug addict and all the rest of it, and, and you know, being part of a gang back in Wales, I, I wanted to escape. And, and I, I, I wanted to be someone else. And I thank God that when I met Jesus in prison, I did become someone else. He kept the good bit. <laughs> he, he, he made me into the person that I was supposed to be, you know, and, 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 and I, I, I love that. So, you know, over the years, I've, myself, I've looked for identity. I don't know how many people have read my book. Um, yeah. It's a pretty good book, actually. It's, um, and I got some copies in the car, by the way, if anybody wants one. Uh, so, that book, by the way, is going into every prison in the UK at the moment. And lots and lots of people are finding hope um, and, and, you know, and, and just freedom through, for, you know, through Jesus speaking to them through that book. But I, I like you read in the book, you'll see like how, how, you know, all the sorts of things that I've got into over the years to try and find identity. Actually, even joining the army for me was an identity issue. I wanted to, I wanted to feel like I was part of something bigger, you know, um, and I was ready to give my life for it. But it was really about identity. But as far back as I can look, you know, I can I just see certain moments in my life where I just changed identity, <laughs> You know, in a sense, but always looking for something. So, like many years ago, I used to be in the tight t-shirt gang. <laughs> now, now I've got to be careful I don't end up in another tight t-shirt gang. <laughs> so, like, you know, actually, I've just started back training again. Emily, you know, Pastor Peter Prothero, yeah. me and Peter are training together. So, um, he's doing really well, actually. Next time you see him, say to him, man, you're looking trim. He'll love it. He'll absolutely love it. So I nearly ended up in another tight t-shirt gang, and I had to reel it in. Any of you guys, like, you know, unless you're Dan or Barry, right, who can just let it, eat 12 pizzas a day and get away with it, you, you can literally eat whatever you want till you get about to the age of 30. After that, you go, zoom. <laughs> and so I tried all sorts of things, you know. Um, any of you guys heard of Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey is famous for saying, I wish everybody had as much money as me, because then they'd realize that money is not the answer. I love that. Jim Carrey's an interesting character, actually. Watch that space. Because he quotes Jesus, and he's talking about Jesus, but he, it's very obvious he doesn't quite know him yet. But he's very drawn to Jesus. And he, start, you know, he talks about peace and harmony and that sort of stuff. But, I mean, that guy's on a real journey. But I love that quote, you know, that he gave. How many know Freddie Mercury? Freddie Mercury is famous for saying, as he came to the end of his life, you know, I think almost like on his deathbed, he said, man, I've had everything that money can buy. Power, riches, fame, comfort, whatever. And now I've, just, I've come to the end of my life and I've real, I realize that I'm still empty. I still don't have, um, you know, what, 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 I, what I'm looking for. So here's the thing. I mean, identity for me is a massive issue. And I'll say it again, I actually believe that, that this is probably maybe the second most important truth that a person can hear. Because everything for me is, it revolves around how you see yourself. I don't know if you're aware of this, but self-perception is absolutely massive. There's a story in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were supposed to have gone into, into the land of Canaan, which was supposed to be in a, like a bliss place, a little bit like going back to Eden in a sense. God wanted to bring them back to a place of like, you know, a, a relationship with him and a, a prosperous place. And, and, and they were supposed to have gone into that land. And, and so basically, they, you know, they, uh, they, 
12 spies went to, to view the land. And when they came back, two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb, and said, man, we can take the land. And the other 10, basically their report was, we, we can't take this land. There are giants in that land. And, and what they said was that, was that we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So it's not just like we seemed like grasshoppers in their eyes. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And what happened is that as soon as they had that self-perception placed on them that was very limiting, it stopped them inheriting what God had for them. So it's really important how you see yourself. It's absolutely massive. And so like, when, when we preach the gospel, I mean, if, you, if you're aware of that word, it just means good news. When we preach the gospel, when we preach the good news, and how many know a lot of people, they need good medicine. We need medicine. We need to know that we're valued and treasured. We were created for a relationship, and we don't do well when we're not in, we're not in a relationship with God. And then we find ourselves open to deception about who we are, about who God wants us to be. And so when we preach the gospel and we preach the good news, and we start talking about things like Jesus died for your sins, you know, well, partly what we're trying to do, or what, what God is trying to do, is that he's trying to place a value on you. He's trying to get you to see that you cost more than you realize. That, you know, it, like so it says in First Peter, Peter says, Jesus didn't buy you back with things like gold and silver. Like, or in other words, money. How many know if God's a creator, he can create as much as that as he wants? You know, he can create loads of money. But that's not very costly, is it? Actually, Peter says, God didn't buy you back with, with gold and silver or with money, but with the, with the precious blood of Jesus. And so, like, that's how much you're worth. And I believe one of my heroes in the Bible is, the, is Paul the Apostle. It must have blown his mind because he was such a bad guy, you know, before he met Jesus. And then when he met Jesus, he just couldn't get over the, uh, the, you know, the way that Jesus loved him. Uh, and and that came to realize that Jesus had died for him and died for his sins. You know, I, I, I love this idea that God has always wanted to give us the gift of relationship with him and the gift of eternal life. He's always wanted to give us that gift. But there's always been something in the way. And it's sin. It's, it's broken relationship. It's our wandering. It's our kind of doing you know, rubbing it back in God's face, so to speak. And, and you know, we, we, we sort of like, we've just thrown it back at God and said, well, we don't want this. But God won't let that, won't, you know, let sin have the last word. You know, he comes pursuing us, as we sang earlier, he comes chasing us. And, and he removes the barrier. And I'm telling you, friends, when you come to realize that the only grounds that God could forgive you on and still remain a just and good God if you, when you come to realize that the only grounds he could do that is through the cross, it blows your mind when you realize how much you're worth, how much you're valuable, and how much God has paid for you to get you back. And I really hope that this kind of like sinks into your, into your heart, if you like, because we can often know things in our head, but not know things in our heart. And Paul often prays, I pray that you get to know this in your heart. And when you get to know it in your heart, I'm telling you, man, it brings transformation. You feel adored. You feel loved by God, and rightly so, because you are. And if you hear any other lie from the enemy, man, you want to cast that down. You know, Paul says we take every thought into captivity. We don't like, in other words, what Paul is saying, think about what you're thinking about. 
Don't let anything just run through your mind. Take it into captivity to the obedience of Christ and replace it with truth. And so you need to know what God thinks about you. God thinks um, you're amazing. And that's not just like, you know, we, we sometimes hear that and we think, oh, this is just, you know, he's just trying to make, he's just trying to pamper me. No, no, no. I'm not trying to pamper you. I'm telling you the truth. Psalm 139, verse 14. I love that verse. It says, I will praise you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I know that full well. Do we know that full well? That you are, you, you know, you've been created by God. I remember the morning when I had a revelation that I'd been created by God. I'm telling you, I, d I don't think I even asked for it. Basically, one morning I woke up and I just felt a presence coming into my room and I knew it was God. You know, I'd been journeying with him for a, for a, for a while. I kind of knew, I, I was starting to get to know when he was starting to turn up or speak to me, you know, and and all of a sudden, I just felt this presence. Now, I've had, I've had it before, and at different times, I've experienced different things, like sometimes I've experienced God's love for me, sometimes I've experienced God's peace, sometimes I've experienced God's joy, and it's like God shows up to show you different things, you know, but this particular morning, I had just had this awareness that I had been created by God, by God Almighty, and I'm telling you, man, I felt like sacred ground all of a sudden. You know, I felt like, wow, man, God, you've created me. If, and if you've created me, I have a plan and a, there's a purpose for my life. You haven't created me for nothing. You've created me for a purpose. There's a plan for my life. And I, 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 I love that truth. So it's like really important how we see ourselves. You know, the whole idea, like I say, about self-perception. It's, it's, it's massive. Even psychologists who are not Christians, so, you know, they just, they will even, they even um, are in step with the Bible in this sense, I believe, where, where they say that you have to live consistently with how you see yourself. Let me say that again. You have to live consistently with how you see yourself. In other words, how you see yourself is how you will live. Otherwise, you will find a tearing apart inside you. So you almost like set the parameters, really. You can limit yourself or you can release yourself into destiny. It's how you see yourself. Do you know it says in Proverbs, back, uh, I think it's chapter 27 in Proverbs, it says, uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. <laughs> so once again, it's, this, it's the same idea. I do believe, mind, that it, ca it can come to a point where the Holy Spirit can start to press on your image of yourself. And as you go through a process of taking on a new, a new outlook, if you like, on yourself and shedding the other one, you might experience a bit of tension, but that's a good thing. I've been through that process. You know, I, I went through that process, and it started for me when I was in prison, because, like, when I was in prison, God started to speak to me. Man, I tell you, it was an amazing experience. I, I like, I heard the voice of Jesus. I didn't, I didn't know who he was in the beginning, and like I was almost like having a conversation with someone. Um, what I remember about that voice was that it was so gentle and so full of love. But somebody was speaking to me. After, after a few like, minutes, I remember asking the question, who are you? Who's talking to me? And the name that came back, Jesus. So like Jesus was speaking to me in prison. Right? But the first question that he asked me was, 
don't you remember who you are? It was like God was taking me right back to a sense of identity and, and, and how I saw myself. And over the years, and particularly back in the beginning in those days, like one of the things that God started to speak to me about was that, that I wasn't a drug addict. Because the thing with calling yourself a drug addict is that it puts a label on your, you. You put a label on yourself. And God had to, you know, I think that, that was like really in the question. Don't you remember who you are? Because we're good at putting labels on ourselves, and God wants to remove those labels and put new ones on. And we very often get labels put on us, whether by ourselves, for me, whether it be by police officers, or psychologists, school teachers even, you know, even, even family members and friends. And, you know, we, we, just, we, just, we can heap and receive labels on ourselves, and God wants to remove those labels. And, and one of the first things that God started to teach me was, Neil, you're not a drug addict. You, you may have had an issue. You may have had a problem here. But this mountain is going to be removed. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. Do you know there's a massive difference between saying, I have failed, and calling yourself a failure? I'm telling you, friends, it's huge. There's a big difference in calling yourself, like saying, like, oh, sometimes I do silly things. And calling yourself a silly person. I remember preaching this message in a church once. And there was a girl that came up to me afterwards. Man, she's just crying her eyes out. And she said, man, can you pray for me? She said, I think, yeah, I think she just, like, she saw it. That she'd, she'd actually taken on a label that somebody tried to put on her. She said, you know what? I realize that sometimes I can do silly things. But somebody told me that I was a silly person. And I've taken that label on me. And it's, it's kind of like it's done something to me. And we just, we pray together and we set her free from the power of those words. This is why, you see, right, and I tread carefully on this one, but this is why um, I'd love to give people advice who go to maybe Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, the AA program. I actually believe it can, it can be a big help for some people, the AA program. And I thank God for anything that helps people move on. But I just don't think it's healthy when people, after 20 years of being clean, still stand up in an AA meeting and say, I'm an alcoholic. You know, that, that is not a good way to go forward in life. And I partly know why they do it as well. is because what they say is that I've got a disease, and that disease can pop up any moment and come back any time. I want to tell you, friends, that Jesus, the New Testament, does not call you or put labels on you like that. What the Bible will do is that it'll put, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 in front of you and say you are a new creation. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So I don't say about myself, I'm a drug addict. I call myself a new creation. I'm transformed in the name of Jesus. I'm a different person completely. And I'm not going to put those kind of labels on myself. You know, I've mentioned about school teachers. A school teacher once put, a, put, you know, put things on me that kind of like just really shaped me for years, actually. So like I was a bit of a terror in school. Um, I don't know whether I was a troubled boy or whether I was a troublemaker. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Probably a bit of both. And I didn't have a very good relationship with my school teachers. I think they were partly frustrated because I could have done well in school, but I just couldn't focus. I had just too many things going on in my head, too much junk going on in me, you know? 
And, and, and basically one day, um, I came out of, I came out of, um, out of sports. It was the only thing I was, I was good at in school, actually. I came out of sports, and it was a really, really hot day. So I didn't want to put on my shirt and tie, right? So I just, I just put my V-neck jumper on. Anyway, as I started walking down the corridor, I bumped into my headmaster, Mr. Griffiths. <laughs> and once again, I heard those words, Avi, get in my office. So I walked in his office, right? And you never believe this. This is now the same guy, right, that said to me, can you imagine this? This is the same guy that said to me, Neil, I think more of the slugs in the bottom of my garden than I think of you. That's my school teacher. How many know that's not a good thing to say to a kid, you know? Anyway, this guy squared up to me, right? And he was literally speaking through his teeth. And he said, Arvi, I hate you. Me and you, 20 to 4, down the fields, off the books. My, is my headmaster offering me out for a fight? I mean, I gotta be honest, I paused for a moment, I actually thought about it. And, 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 and then I thought to myself, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, what, what school teacher offers out a student for a fight? So I said, no, it's all right. Plus, he had big shoulders anyway. And I, so, I, so, I, so I didn't bother. But the point is, is that those words, right, they actually started to shape me. Words that have been spoken over me when I was younger, you know, those words started to shape me. And what happens is that when you start to believe labels and you start to believe lies um, in terms of what people are putting on you, and you start to believe them, and, you, and what happens is you start to live under them. You start to live, they, you will, you've, you've actually now partnered with them, and you've given them power. And sometimes we don't realize how much power we give away to these sort of things. So like a good friend of mine, Barry Woodward, uh, he's a great evangelist. He goes around up and down the country doing a lot of stuff in, in, in prisons. Um, and he basically has got a similar background to me. He's written a book called Once an Addict. And this book starts off with a story of his, like, his psychologist saying to him, a leopard never changes its spots. In other words, you'll always be the same. And he lived under that. But now he's come to realize that's why he wrote, that's why he titled the book, Once an Addict. I was an addict, but I'm not anymore. And, and so like, it's really important how you see yourself and this whole idea of self-perception. I want to tell you, friends, if you have failed in something, don't call yourself a failure. If you sometimes do silly things, don't call yourself a silly person. Even if you've got a problem with alcohol, don't call yourself an alcoholic. That's a worldly term and not a biblical one. Because actually what the Bible will try to do is that it'll try to get into your thinking. And it'll try to get you to change the way you see yourself because this, it's your only hope for change. Because not only does God have the power to change, you have to align your, your thinking with God's power and that's called repentance. It's changing the way that you think. It's changing the way that you see yourself. Man, I tell you, when I had this revelation, I felt like something just cut me free. Wow. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college years ago, and Peter Prothero was, uh, was one of the lecturers there, and he was teaching one day in, 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 in one of the classes, and he's like, you know, if you know Peter, sometimes he'll, just be, he'll be preaching, and then he'll pause 
like a prophetic moment, you know, like God wants to say something. And, and he said, there are people here who have been living under words and labels that have been put on you. If that's you, I want you to come to the front. I'm not kidding. I literally felt like somebody went like that on my back. It's like the Holy Spirit saying to me, that's you. Go on, up you go. So up I went, and Peter started to pray for me and started to basically sort of just break the power of these words. And I could literally feel shackles falling off me. I could feel like light coming into my mind. And I was suddenly realized, realizing, man, I'm not that. Why on earth did I believe that about myself? I'm not that person. And Jesus had already started to sow the seed. Neil, don't you remember who you are? And I want to tell you, friends, if, if, the, if there are any words that have been placed over you, don't accept them. Only accept what God says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what? Even if you're not a Christian this morning, I want to tell you, like Sarah said earlier, you're in the, you, 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 you belong here. You belong in this house. And I love the fact that even before we've come to a place of faith, God still says of you, fearfully and wonderfully made. It doesn't matter whether you respond or not actually in that moment. It's just that I love you. God's saying, I love you. Man, I, my life was a complete mess. But when I realized that God loved me as I was like that, I'm telling you, because I was part of a drug network back in South Wales. I would have done 10 years for some of the things that I was doing, but not just like, you know, in terms of getting caught and doing it. I would have willingly done it because that's, you know, that's the code in the gang. <laughs> you just do, you just take the, you just take the rap for whatever. And I, I was actually a drug runner. That was my job. I ran drugs for a network back in South Wales. One of my friends out of that drug network, mine has got saved. He's got an amazing testimony. And, one of the, and the other guy, he's in prison at the moment, but he, he's coming out soon. And he's watching Joyce Meyer on, on uh, TBN at the moment. So like, come on, come on. This is it. This is what it's all about, you know. But, you know, so, like, where was my, what was I going to say? What's my point? I've lost my point. I go off on tangents, you see. I go off on tangents. I can't remember what I was going to say. Somebody help me. Yeah, only what God says about you, right. So like being in prison and God saying to me, you know, don't you remember who you are? Um, that was my point, actually. <laughs> I had another point. Let's get back on it anyway. You get my point. You get what I'm trying to say. That, you know, it's, it's really all about what God thinks about you and how you see yourself. I was a drug runner. That was the point. I was the point. That was the point I was trying to make. I was a drug runner and I was loyal to the gang. That was the point that I was going to make. But when I realized that Jesus loved me, even though I'd lost everything and I was so broken, you know. I mean, I've got to be honest. When I was in prison, I never thought I'd be able to lift my head again. I was so full of shame. But Jesus came to visit me in prison, and he was the first one there. And by the way, the only one that visited me in prison. The only one that visited me in prison. And I'm not ashamed to say to the guys now, you know, my loyalty has shifted. I'm not serving a gang anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm serving Jesus. My loyalty has shifted because if he can be there for me when I've, you know, stuck my fingers up to him all my life, when I was at my worst and he came to rescue me, guess who's got my loyalty now? Guess who's got my loyalty now? And, you know, and I thank God that people have actually followed that, and, you know, because a lot of my friends have said, Neil, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. And they've started to follow. 
So friends, I, 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 I want to leave this with you this morning. I, I want you to really grasp this and grapple with it until it becomes a reality for you. You know, it's, it's knowing who you are, what God says about you, and, and what God wants to do in your life. That you're not what people say about you. You're not that person. You're not what a police officer might say about you, or a psychologist, or a family member, or a school teacher, or a sergeant in the army, whatever. You are who God says you are. And when you get that into your spirit, I'm telling you, it'll absolutely release you and set you free to be everything that God wants you to be. Because you can only live consistently with how you see yourself. And this is not trying to be proud, you know what I mean? It's not trying, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we, 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 we're, pr- you know, we, we're puffing ourselves up with pride or anything. You know, I love this statement. It's an amazing quote. Somebody once said that the true humility is simply saying about yourself what God says about you. So I'm just lining myself up with what God says about me. And I, and, I, and I embrace that. Even for Christians, let me, let, me, let me say something to Christians this morning, because it's been pretty evangelistic, this message, purposely. But I want to say something to Christians this morning as well. Do you know it's really important how you see yourself as well? I realize, right, I realize that, you know, I still make mistakes. And the Bible particularly before conversion now, defines me as, we don't often use these terms in church now, but, you know, it's, it, it is a reality that, we, you know, the Bible calls us sinners. That's what we do. Let me tell you something, friends. When you actually come to a place of giving your life to Jesus, do you know the Bible drops that statement over you like a hot potato? You're not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint You are a saint. That's what the Bible says. Let me tell you something. If you have to live consistently with how you see yourself and you see yourself a sinner, what will you do? If you see yourself as what it says in Ephesians 4.24, you've been created in righteousness and true holiness. If you think yourself as righteous and holy, how will you live? How will you live? If you think, if you see yourself as righteous and holy, how will you live? Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, anybody heard of him? You check that guy out. He's going to be with the Lord now. He's an amazing Welsh preacher who uh, became the pastor of Westminster Chapel before R.T. Kendall. He was R.T. Kendall's um, mentor. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones is a legend. I'm quoting some people now you might not have heard of. There's some major, big theologians in the world. J.I. Packer said the, most, the person who's had the most influence on me in my life was Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was an amazing expository preacher. Pre- took him 10 years to pre- preach from the Book of Romans. Every Friday night. He used to pack out Westminster Chapel all the time. He was an amazing preacher. And he was Welsh. He used to talk about the rule and the reign and the realm of God. In his, in his revival accent. You know, he's big on revival. And Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. The New Testament's method for sanctification or being more like Jesus is knowing who you already are in Christ. Man, I love that. Knowing who you already are in Christ. You're not trying to be anybody that God hasn't already created you to be. 
You'll come in from a place of position, from a place of victory, from a place of standing on righteousness and holiness. And that is who you are. That is who you are. And then you just believe about yourself what the Bible says about you and it releases you. It's the power of identity, the power of knowing. Paul says in Romans 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. The question is, do you know it? Do you know it? If you know it, you can have the freedom. And that's what I present in front of you this morning. Why don't we uh, just close our eyes for a moment, raise our hands. Wow, Lord, you are amazing. You are amazing. Father, I thank you this morning for the truth of the gospel. Sometimes we've misused that word and made it into a, like a religious term. But I know, like it says, like Paul said, there is power in the gospel. And we've been preaching the gospel this morning. This is truth. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is believing what is true. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that this word would just sink into people's hearts this morning. People would find belonging. They would find identity in you. I just, I, I just break off any power of words, labels, where have they been spoken into childhood. Do you know you can carry something for 50 years? Do you know that? You can live under something for 50 years. I declare that right now this morning. If you walked in here with that label, even if it's been for 50 years, I break it right now in Jesus' name. It has no power. It has no authority in Jesus' name. And I release you guys into the purpose of God.